0: Thank you for tuning in to the Relationship Advice Podcast. This is Chase here. I feel like I am due for a little introduction about myself. I forget that not everyone tuning in knows about me and Sarah, who is in the back end of this podcast. Um, Sarah and I started this podcast over eight years ago now when uh, we were getting ready to get married and we were looking to kind of get into podcasting and we did some quick market research and very soon realized that the really wasn't a relationship advice podcast that we would listen to. And there weren't many at all at the time, if you can imagine. And so we were like, that's very clear. We should start one. And at the very least, we'll get free relationship advice. We never bill ourselves as experts. I am just here having conversations with the experts and getting the information right there alongside you. And here we are over eight years later, in 430-something episodes later as well, and still having these conversations. Now, Sarah is completely in the back end, and as we've shared on this podcast, Sarah and I are now co-parenting our lovely eight-year-old daughter, Stella. We have been for the last four years, and yeah, Sarah is in a happy partnership and has a beautiful little Boy, who is just over one. Stella has a brother and I couldn't be happier for her. I feel like an uncle to him and he's such a cutie and has the same blue eyes as Stella. They have the same eyes and uh, yeah, it's just lovely. And here we are just continuing to get this advice and try to apply it to our lives. I'm right there. I'm dating with someone that I enjoy and love very much and just kind of... Trying to make it happen, (laughs) you know, and trying to learn and grow right there alongside of you guys tuning in. So that's a quick overview, a little snapshot. And today's conversation was no different for me where I, I got lots of great things that I'll be able to apply as I spoke with Jessica Baum and Jessica is a psychotherapist who specializes in attachment, codependency and addiction in relationships. She is also a couples counselor and author of Anxiously Attached, Becoming More Secure in Life and Love. And today, Jessica and I talk about the anxious avoidant pattern and also just attachment theory in general. If you don't know your attachment style, I highly encourage you to click on the link in the show notes and take a quick quiz that Jessica has provided. You can also find them online. Uh, Lots of people offer them where you can understand what your attachment style is. That's hugely important and valuable. Whether you even listen to this podcast or not, it's going to help you. And Jessica and I talk about understanding our attachment style and how to navigate it with our partner. And if you feel like you're always chasing after your partner or someone you're dating or you get super anxious when you text someone and they don't text you back, yeah, that's something I felt. And this conversation is going to tell you why you might be feeling that and how to navigate it and communicate with your partner, how to heal that from within. And maybe you're on the other side. You're more towards the avoidance side. And you feel like you're always kind of running away from, commitment or that person that's reaching for you. And that's not a criticism. That's okay. You know, you're just doing what you've learned from your childhood. And Jessica will give you the tools to navigate that. As well. As always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We appreciate it because we wouldn't be able to continue this podcast without listeners like you. So whether this is your first episode or you're on episode 400 and something, you've been with us <laughs> for over the years. Thank you so much. Enjoy today's show. Hi, Jessica. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Today, we're going to talk about the anxious, avoidant, negative cycle or pattern or dynamic that couples can get into. And I thought a good place for us to start would be having you share with our listeners uh, just briefly because we've covered it quite a bit, but I think it's important to revisit what Attachment is anxious, avoidant, secure, and then we'll jump into why the anxious avoidant dynamic occurs and, and how to to navigate it.
1: Sure, yeah, attachment theory, I'm so happy that you know everybody's talking about it. It has a lot of science behind it, and it's pretty well proven. and so um, anxious babies uh, tend to the hallmark is inconsistency. So there's a, an inconsistency, feeling like the the shoe is going to drop, and they also sometimes leave their body energetically and attuned to their primary caregiver. Um, so that leads to self abandonment later in life and quote unquote codependent traits at times or embedded patterns that look a little bit like people pleasing. Or um, another thing that they do is they'll they'll move to symp- sympathetic activation. They'll they'll cry. And if their cry is not heard, they'll turn up the volume and they'll cry louder, which is normal, right? And and that's how we get people's attention. But that's also something that kind of can show up later in your romantic life is like turning up the volume. And they tend to be um, more attuned to their environment and what's going on for other people's and sometimes less attuned to themselves. So the other end of the spectrum is more avoidant right? And these two we'll talk about tend to couple up as adults, but they can appear more selfish, which isn't necessarily the case, but they become more self-focused and they can grow up or have a parent that meets their needs, but doesn't really see into them emotionally and is more left shifted. So kind of takes care of them, but they struggle with emotional intelligence at times, And or they just shut down in relationship. And instead of getting the co-regulation or the inconsistency, they turn to self-regulation and um, or they just they don't have the vulnerability to reach out and learn how to get that co-regulation and support from another. So they tend to move away or or close down their energy. And, And in my book, I talk about one is expanding and one is shutting down um there's fearful avoidant so there's four different types of secure which tend to um all of them have issues in in relationships but they'll get less dysregulated and they have less of a problem getting close less of a fear of abandonment you know they they just have an easier time kind of getting back to baseline and then there's fearful avoidant um they struggle getting close and they struggle being too far away so sometimes that's an infant that uh Either there's abuse or the parent was really scary or there was a lot of intensity. So that I need my parent, I need to connect. Yet there's a scariness and a a feeling of not feeling safe. So I don't know where to go. And this can show up in every relationship. Even if you identify as avoidant or anxious, when things get really turbulent, you can feel like, I don't know if I can move closer to my partner or move further away. You kind of feel trapped in your body. And so we can fall into one of these. Categories, and we can identify with them. And yet, um, attachment theory is a two-way street. So, our embedded nervous system patterns, coupled with another person's embedded nervous system patterns, create a relational nervous system pattern that is unique to that relationship. So, I can show up more anxious in one relationship and less anxious in another. But, but typically, we, when we're talking about this, like on this podcast, we want to know: Do I shut down? Do I run towards? Do I run away? Do I have a problem with conflict? Am I super independent? Do I need a lot of co-regulation? You kind of want to look at those things. Am I waiting for the shoe to drop in my body? Like, and that will give you an indication of like where your baseline is. And that's when we can start to get more conscious around like where is my attachment system at? And what do I need? And, and you know, where is my healing and work to be done? And that was a really long explanation, but I hope I I covered that for you.
0: No, that's great. And you said there was four types of attachment. Yeah, Go ahead and go over them.
1: Yeah. So there's secure and then there's anxious, which is also referred to as ambivalent in scientific words. And then there's avoidant. And then there's fearful um, attachment. Um, so fearful can also be described in the scientific lens as disorganized attachment.
0: I want to highlight what you mentioned of how the relational nervous system and how, depending on our partner, different parts of us are going to be highlighted. I'll share personally, Sarah, my my ex-wife, and who's also still involved in the back end of this podcast, was very securely attached. And we were together for 12 years, and I felt very securely attached with her throughout this, you know, long and and comfortable relationship as we lived a life together. And, you know, you could say like our relational nervous system, it felt very secure. And then uh, four years ago when we divorced and I started dating, I was, (laughs) I discovered this whole part of myself that was like, who is this? And I, I noticed anxious attachment tendencies began to come up as I was dating and and relating to to new people who have their own attachment styles. So I think it's such an important point. Maybe there's someone listening who's exiting a long-term marriage or just someone that's that's dating different people to recognize. Can you talk a little bit about that and and that understanding?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I so uh that's such a beautiful example that you're giving and and we are a combination of two people's nervous system and embedded trauma. So you had a very secure experience with someone who was more secure. So your ability to regulate and get back to closeness and your ability to communicate in that relationship was better. If you meet someone who's very avoidant, it doesn't even matter if you're secure, they're going to stir up some anxious parts. And if you meet someone who's really anxious, they're going to stir up possibly some avoidant Parts. The more sense of inner security that you have and awareness, the less dysregulated you will get when those things come up. But some like I can I'll say that the most work I've ever done in my life was in a relationship with someone who was severely avoidant, possibly on the narcissistic spectrum. And I kept doing my own work with my therapist. And because he was so avoidant, my disreg—oh, disorganized parts, which I didn't even know existed in me, showed up. I had nowhere to go because he completely checked out emotionally and shut down. And this lasted for a while. So my system was very activated and I got to meet all my disorganized parts, which is not a fun process, but it's really was an enlightening process for me. So who you partner with is really important, how they take care of their nervous system, their level of awareness, how they communicate. And I think that, you know, if you're out there and you're listening and you're dating, a lot of what happens in the beginning, well, two things, we're negotiating our comforts between closeness and, sep- and space, And so when we meet someone, everyone's degree of how close can I get and how much space do I need? That's really unconsciously what's going on. And also learning at some point in the relationship, rupture and repair. So how do we handle conflict and how do we repair in a deepening way? And if we have some consciousness around what is going on inside of our body and where our wounds are coming up and we can communicate effectively repair can lead to a deeper intimacy but if we're struggle with conflict r- conflict can be the end of the relationship or it can just be you know really disheartening that there's no deep repair made so those are the things that are needed to like deepen into different levels of intimacy and that level of awareness and some people they don't have it like and that's okay too so you, you discover that on the way
0: I love this thread and this theme and I should mention, we should mention, you know, understanding your attachment style is a a great starting point, you know, and there's tests and quizzes that you can do online if you don't already know. And it's been really valuable for me since becoming aware of attachment theory, you know, four or five years ago to understand that it is a spectrum. Because as I said, I had this kind of rude awakening of like, man, I'm, I'm super anxious when I'm dating after basically my entire adult life, being in a secure relationship. And that's the beauty of relationship is that we get to learn, as you said, new parts of ourselves, even though it's, it's very uncomfortable. I can tell you, like feeling all this anxiety, obviously no one wants to feel it and being surprised by it in a sense. And then navigating, I would say, you know, maybe a little bit of shame around it of like, why am I so anxious? And, and then coming to a place of, of healing and being able to relate better. And it's really a beautiful process. And, one of the things within that, as you said, is looking within and, and healing ourselves and for your example going to a therapist and doing that work, I wanna ask you, where does the idea of working on ourselves within this and working with our partner within these dynamics? Let's let's go with it doesn't have to be one specific. Where do we find that balance between, you know, obviously we wanna Work on our own anxiety, not just bring our stuff to our partner and say, hey, I'm feeling anxious, fix this because we don't want to do that. And communicating with our partner and, and problem solving together.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And there's no black and white answer to that question. I'm an Imago therapist. And that means like that's a way of couples counseling where you both get conscious together. And I, I absolutely love it because if your partner's willing to go there, a therapy, and if you're listening, there are certified imo- probably amago therapists in your area, or emotionally focused couples counseling, EFT is the other model that I like, which provides safe places if the counselor is good to be that nervous system that helps you guys both get conscious together. And yet we all don't have that option. In my particular case, my partner at the time didn't want to do the work. But it doesn't mean that it stops you from doing the work. And so I would take what was coming up for me in that relationship and bring it to someone who was capable of holding it and helping it at heal it. And I got out of blaming my partner. And I got to start to see that they just didn't have the capacity, the will, or the safety to really go there and do that deep healing themselves, which was probably one of the saddest things ever. And I think that's just sad in general because the way I understand it is that some people don't have the safety or, you know, they just can't go there. They're too much in survival mode. And as you do your inner work, your the paradox is your partner can help you co-regulate. They can't fix you and then definitely shouldn't be medicating it, but they can help you co-regulate and they can be with you. And learning like what is your original trauma, how to hold it, where where do you need to be held by whom, who has the capacity and what is not your partner's fault. That's a real light bulb moment for a lot of people when they start to do their inner work and it gets you out of projection um, and into like, oh my God, there's so many deeper layers here and and getting to the root of, you know, what my, my, I didn't get the co-regulation that I needed. So I become very dependent or I shut down so much and, you know, like starting to really understand that this is my fear and this is my adaptive strategy, right? And so it's such beautiful work, like you said, and it's also really hard work and courageous work when you kind of step into it. And like, you didn't know, Chase, that when you left Sarah, I believe you said that, you know, all this more this work would come up. And I didn't know in that relationship that like my deepest, mo- most profound work would come up probably in what people would consider a toxic relationship. But really it was just the biggest catalyst for me. I can say that now, (laughs) like in the middle of it, I was like, oh my God, you know, when you're in the middle of it, I'm still healing always, but like in the middle of it, it is super hard and confusing, but our relationships really, they really are our mirrors. And one more thing I want to add to that is if you're in a relationship that is triggering you or awakening you and you are doing the work, And it is really, really awakening you in a way that you're dysregulated every single day. And you're really, your partner is not willing to get conscious at all of how their behaviors are affecting you and they're not willing to get curious. It can cause more damage than good. So there is a point in which if your partner's really not willing to go there, it's not really healthy to stay in a re-traumatizing cycle for a while. So when that shows up and hopefully you're getting the support and doing the work when to leave is completely unique to every situation and, and the willingness and how much is getting activated and, and the unwillingness that's showing up in that dynamic.
2: Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. You all know I made the switch to Athena razors a few months ago, and I've been loving it. But unfortunately, I forgot my Athena razor over the winter holidays and had to resort to buying a drugstore brand razor And I can say with confidence, I will never forget my Athena razor again. Revisiting a generic razor left my skin dry and prickly and left me feeling distracted and bothered by irritation. Now that I'm reunited with my Athena razor, I'm back to enjoying a consistently quality shave. I don't think I've ever had a multitasking razor, but this one moisturizes while you shave with avocado oil and hyaluronic acid serum. Plus, it has a built-in skin guards to help prevent razor burn. Like me, I know many of you try to make your home a reflection of how you hope to feel. So for this reason, I love that Athena helps me make my bathroom more organized with their thoughtful storage design that leads to an overall feeling of calm and rejuvenation. The Razor Kit comes with a game-changing magnetic hook in the Razor Kit for easy storage. This means no sitting your razor on the edge of your tub, no more goopy blades, and no more razors falling down your shower floor in the middle of the night. Plus, I have to mention that the Athena Club razor kit is an absolute steal at just $10. But don't let this price fool you. This razor packs a serious punch. It comes with a beautifully made ergonomic handle and two super sharp razor heads that deliver an incredibly smooth shave every time. Products like the Athena Club razor kit really go the extra mile to help you feel at home and confident in your skin. Ready to upgrade your shaving experience? Switch to the best razor on the market and show your skin you care with Athena Club. Head over to athenaclub.com to try their award-winning razor and body products and get 20% off your purchase with code IDO at checkout. You can also find Athena Club razors at your local Target store. Trust me, you won't look back. Happy shaving! Do you want to know one of my favorite meals? It's a slice of toasted bread with tomato, mozzarella, basil, olive oil, salt and pepper, and a little drizzle of balsamic glaze. Makes my heart happy. It's so simple. It's so delicious. And I love that all the ingredients get to show off their individual flavors. I used to eat it
0: that's such an important point and i would add to that looking at your partner's actions you know willingness is one thing when you bring it to him hey this is how i'm feeling and can we navigate this and they're like yeah 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 and and they're on board that's great that's a great first step but just from personal experience i had a partner who was willing by by word and and intention i i believe fully that she wanted to grow and change but it just wasn't happening. And, and I'm not even from saying that from a blaming point. It, it, it's two people. But then I realized I'm wanting them to be somewhere where they can't. And that's also heartbreaking. And as you mentioned, it, it's one thing if they're like, no, or I don't want to do that, or you're crazy, whatever. But it's like, yes, uh, I want to be together. I want to grow with you. But then looking at their behaviors. And if that's not changing, it's also being conscious and aware enough to go, okay, even though they're saying that it, it's not changing, our dynamic is not healthy, you know, and this is after therapy and, and doing the work. And and then it's like, this is not a relationship that's really meant to be in a sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think that, you know, working with clients and having experienced that personally, I've loved someone several times in my life, but I think of one in particular so deeply and the capacity to do the inner work was just not there. And it's, you come to a point in your life where your own mental health, nervous system, sense of peace is more important than trying to kind of work it out with someone who doesn't have the capacity. And I have so much compassion because I don't believe people choose not to do the work i think people are not they don't have the level of safety or experience of being held in vulnerability to understand what the work really is and i'm I mean it sounds like you learned the same lesson as me, like you cannot force someone into their own suffering. Our very nature is designed to protect us from our own suffering until we have the sense of safety in our system and in our body and in our support system to have a conscious awareness of and go there and yet, if you don't go there, you're ironically causing more suffering for yourself, and it's really hard to watch that from the outside and i but um. Yeah. And so I think, you know, when I look back at it and you know, they say, oh, people vibrate out of your life or things like that, like most of the time, there's too much fear for someone to slow down and really go there and slowing down and go really going there without the right support or an un- under or even the felt experience that this is what healing is and that level of vulnerability isn't safe for everyone. That sometimes people they just can't and they can very much intend to want to do it and you know you see this sometimes in the anxious avoidance cycle is there's lots of promises to be made to get back into connection but then when the fear system starts to get activated again the the pattern continues and by the way the pattern always continues it's the level of consciousness that changes and eventually the pattern changes as well but yeah it's it's a sad hard thing to go through
0: yes I want to talk about that pattern, but just a point on what you mentioned about having compassion for someone's capacity to grow. And so interesting, just yesterday, I was talking with a college friend about her dad not being able to share in this tricky family situation and ultimately getting to a point of understanding of like, well, he's just doing the best that he can given his unique set of circumstances, especially older generations, or a lot of times we're repressing feelings, especially men. But that's like a bigger philosophical point. But I think it's helpful to understand and you can get into like free will. And to me, it's very interesting to go, well, if I was that person with the same upbringing, with the parents, the culture, and, and the tools, given or not, then I would be doing the same thing that they're doing, even though, you know, and if it's a partner you love and you want them to change, it's like, oh, if you could just do this. And and again, we got to be looking at ourselves too through this lens, but they're doing the best that they can given, given what they have. And, but it's such a hard lesson. I, I've dealt with it with romantic partners, family. And uh, I think that is such a critical point in relating of understanding for ourselves and the people we're relating with that we can communicate and we can understand these things, but there's a certain point where, yeah, the the, the capacity to grow or not, it may be limited. And it's a hard thing to comprehend or, or to accept really.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love that point and not, not to get too off track, but like through my own healing, I mean, there were many years I was really hurt or frustrated with my dad's capacity Um, to show up and be there for me. He struggled a lot when I was younger and, and with some substance abuse and things like that. And when you kind of look back at intergenerational trauma and developmental trauma and epigenetics, I start to see that his parents were Holocaust survivors, right? And so there was so much terror being passed down through that side of my family That now I look at my dad and I'm like, okay, this is where his capacity is. This is what he's able to give me. But it wasn't until I grieved and went through and picked some really unavailable men in my life that felt very familiar and got in touch with like all of the stuff that I'm able to say, oh my God, I have so much compassion for my dad. And I still had this experience for little Jessica who literally didn't get a present father and what that felt like was terrifying for me to be around a parent who, you know, wasn't sober. So it's like all these layers. And I think as you start to become more conscious, you start to understand like how we're all kind of doing the best we can with what we've been given. And and very much what we've been given is not, not in our control. And hopefully we come across people in our lives and we get to a place of enough safety in our lives where we can stop and start to unpack these things. And that's that's really desire to to move through it. And and also it's it's very hard. So that was my My little rant on what you just shared.
2: Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. When you work full time, have kids, and run a podcast, it's hard to make time for a multiple step skincare protocol. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, OneSkin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. Let me repeat it they make it easy. No complicated routine, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. If you're looking for skincare products that are simple and effective, for a limited time, you'll get an exclusive 15% off your first One Skin purchase when using the code do when you check out at oneskin.co. I've been using OneSkin's body lotion for about a month, and I've already seen noticeable improvements with small wrinkles and textures on my skin, specifically on the back of my neck, And the back of my hands, two places where I get a lot of sun. Plus, my skin looks and feels healthier all around. Love Tribe. I have just a few questions for you. I want to know why you are here listening to the podcast. Are you here because you want to stop bickering with your partner and you want to feel truly heard? Or are you looking for ways to reignite your sex life? Or do you want to feel more emotionally connected with your partner? Or do you just long for those fun, giggly moments of connection that you used to have at the beginning of your relationship? Well, over the last decade of hosting this podcast, those were the main reasons people tuned into the show. And we get it. We've been there. So we created our course, Spark My Relationship, because we wanted to put those tools to unlocking a fulfilling relationship right in your hands. We're offering $100 off our course, Spark My Relationship, which is a self-paced course designed to help you create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner and have an amazing time doing it. We've collaborated with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. So to unlock this special offer of our course, our listeners can visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to get $100 off. That's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock.
0: No, it's super valuable point. So thank you. I want to um, go back to the pattern of the the anxious avoidant. And uh, you mentioned that the pattern doesn't go away, we just become more conscious of it and, and are able to grow through it. Can you talk a little bit, and I know it's a, it's a huge topic, and there's, there's lots of different pieces here, but can you talk a little bit about someone that's recognizing the pattern? They're like, okay, we're in this anxious avoidant, you know, I'm chasing, you're running, and how to relate within that pattern and grow through it. So maybe some practices that, that a couple can think about uh, once they've come to this awareness.
1: Yeah, no, I love that question. And not to plug my book, but I really unpack this in there because I feel like this dynamic is one so many people suffer from in varying degrees. And I have so much compassion for the avoidant side, which tends to get a bad rap. Um, So what you have is you have two people um, adaptively surviving in different ways. So the anxious person has a conscious understanding that they have a fear of abandonment and an unconscious understanding that they have a fear of intimacy. So they're not really conscious that they're scared of their own intimacy, but they are very conscious of their fear of abandonment. And so in order to keep them them safe or keep them safe from their biggest fears, they see closeness in the relationship. And so, again, they didn't get, they they like co-regulation. What does that mean? They like to feel safe by running towards and having their partner calm them down. They're less, if they're in conflict, they want to solve the conflict right away. Right away, they want to solve the conflict. They have a lot of anxiety and their energy tends to expand and um, in sympathetic activation, and they tend to self-abandon, right, and reach out and run towards or run away, but like mostly run towards first. Avoidant people tend to turtle in. So they tend to shut down their anxiety. They tend to not want to co-regulate, but in order to get safe, they run away to regulate their systems and get back into safety or homeostasis that way. And they struggle with uh, the vulnerability in terms of co-regulation because they didn't get a lot of that. So what you have are two people who literally get back into safety paradoxically in the opposite way that the other person needs. So one person is running towards to try to calm down and feel safe in a fear state. And the other person is running away to try to calm down and feel safe. So you have this cycle going on of two people just trying to feel safe in the opposite ways in which they truly need. And so I think, you know, the pattern continues because it happens subconsciously. Our nervous systems are kind of always telepathically telling us where we're at, right? Like I could go into a state of activation right now, Chase, you could pick up on it if you were my partner. And all of a sudden we're both activated at the same time. And we have no control over that. But the first step is try is like just understanding that this is actually what's going on. I unpack that a lot. I use in the book, I use the turtle and the octopus as a kind of a metaphor for how we're kind of activating each other at all times. And I think just understanding it, really understanding that my partner's trying, not trying to hurt me when they shut down and move away, or my partner's not trying to hurt me when they get angry or they're trying to move closer or they feel like they're, they're coming at me, but like, this is them terrified. And we're both terrified in the same moment. I think that's the first level of like, okay, there's something going on in our nervous system that's causing us to do this dance. And even though we might not be able to change it, now we're going to be able to start to understand it under a new context.
0: It's such a valuable thing to to understand ourselves and through these like containers of uh, theory, you know, and like you said, it's backed up and because it's one thing to we're feeling these emotions, but now we're able to, it's within a, a study of the human psyche attachment and we're able to look at the dynamics of all the people that experience, you know, anxious attachment and how we tend to get with avoidant. And it's such a, a beautiful thing to be able to understand. And then sometimes it, it's often very frustrating because it, you get to this point of understanding, but then it's like working through it. But that's that's what growth is, right? And and it's the first step, as you mentioned, is is just getting to that understanding. And then I think within that, and we mentioned it earlier, is the importance of having enough awareness to go, this isn't working. Because again, I'm not saying to just exit when things get hard. We want to understand and we can navigate it. But I think I hear it and and I'm sure you see it a lot of like people that try and try and for years maybe, and it's just like, you're not going to, to fix the situation. And I think within that, obviously there's lots of psychology of, of, you know, fear of being alone. And maybe that also plays into fear of abandonment that an anxious partner, just no matter how bad things get, it's like, well, this is better than being alone. You know, can you speak to a little bit about that, of, of what you're seeing with couples?
1: For sure. I mean, like, I think the fear of being alone is one both anxious and avoidant or anybody insecure um, has, although I will say true avoidant does function a little bit more independently, um, but they're still lonely. They're just, they're not getting that, that level of connection. Connection is our biological imperative. It is. And if we have any experience of neglect or being alone, In our childhood and that lives big inside our implicit memory system and embedded trauma, we are all going to be operating um, under subconscious awareness that I don't want to be alone. And and self-sacrificing ends up becoming a way in which we stay in connection. So a lot of people stay in relationships because they are terrified of facing the unknown and who can blame them? Facing the unknown is, is really hard. Um, And that might be, you know, protecting them from facing original wound around being incredibly alone when they're small. The problem is that sometimes people stay in relationships that are really um, not letting them be their full authentic self and causing more harm than good. And they'll take that lesser evil, bigger than the subconscious little me, I call her little me or him, little me wound of I'm scared of being alone they'll self-sacrifice or stay in something that doesn't allow them to grow and evolve in the way that that would be probably a little bit better. So if you're listening and that's you, I I would say building the support system now and doing the work now and wherever you are and finding safe people to be vulnerable with and that eventually working through the fear of being alone with people who have the capacity to hold that fear with you, that's one of the things that I personally had to do, will help you navigate that. So in a secure base, we live like, I'm never really alone. I've internalized my parents. I've internalized these people. I feel a little more supported in the universe. I'm not going to be alone forever. Like it lives inside of our body. And an insecure person I'm going to be alone forever lives inside. When will my parents ever meet my needs? I've been so isolated before. My body remembers how scary that is. Those are things that live inside of our system that we're going to have to meet again when we're alone. And we want to, we want to meet those parts. And we want people who are capable of meeting those parts to be there with us when those things start to surface, because that's actually a re-experiencing of our original wound. Like for me, I had a lot of loneliness stuff come up and because my parents didn't do the best job of being there for me, I had to find people who could be there for me as an adult so that that part of me could relearn how to depend on dependable people and that she wasn't really alone and then, you know, and so on and so forth. So that's how we kind of work through it. But yeah, it's, it's a journey. And if you're listening, I mean... Like these are seeds being planted. Your body has an inherent wisdom and it will be called to heal and look for the right support and to trust that. And if if you know that you have that deep wound in there or that deep fear, the best part is just knowing it's there and starting to seek out people who might be have the capacity to help you unpack that and, and go there. And your body will go there and it will allow more and more of you to go there when it senses it has the right, It's in the presence of the right support. It was only in the presence of my therapist over a long period of time that my body could really, I mean, I went to infant trauma. I went to really early trauma and I got to revisit it. And it was only because I felt truly safe with people who could hold it rather than having to medicate it and run away from it, which is simply what we just have to do until we have the capacity or the people who people have the capacity around us to help us go there.
0: Thank you for sharing. And that's such an important point. And I'll just share working through my anxious feelings. The most valuable thing has been developing my friend group and my understanding that in my previous romantic partnerships, I put so much focus on being fulfilled and not lonely on the romantic partnership that, of course, it was terrifying this idea that that partnership would not exist because then who do I have? And yeah, just want to emphasize that point of it's really until you feel it, you know, someone listening be like, okay, I want to try that. I highly, I mean, it's a requirement. We don't always do it. I didn't do it for over a decade. And then realizing how even if you're securely attached, it's good to have a friend group and family support. But I think that understanding, especially if you're if you're insecurely attached of having loving friendships and and family relationships. And it takes work. And that is its own difficult thing that requires vulnerability and and understanding. And it's not like it's that's easy in itself, but um, it's been super valuable to my own healing. So I just want to emphasize that.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I won't go into it, but if, if you struggled with like anxious attachment or some of these really early woundings, when you enter a partnership and it feels euphoric and enmeshed, it is really hard to develop an independent life of that because the missing developmental link and the flood of the the kind of chemicals that you're getting from the relationship make that relationship like your safe bubble and so it's hard to leave that and and start to cultivate other things. So all of that there's so much there when we start to look at the neuroscience and through my own healing, you know, learning to keep balance or learning to develop ways to release dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin and all of those from all different types of relationship is actually part of, you know, part of individuating and learning to be healthier and and yeah, that's a process. If if you're listening and you're one of those people who like, you know, gets into the relationship and huddles in that relationship, there's an early wound there that's being fed and there's nothing to feel bad about, but it's time to maybe get curious about that.
0: That is such an important point in a, in a great place for us to wrap up. Jessica, thank you so much for taking the time to share personal stories and your professional knowledge. Before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your book, where they can find you online, and then we'll say goodbye.
1: Yes, um, so my book, Anxiously Attached, Becoming More Secure in Life and Love, is doing really well. And I love it. And it's a great place to start. I'm not just saying that. I mean, I unpack a lot and, and a lot for anxious and avoidance. So there's something in there for, for you to understand the dynamics. I'm on Instagram at Jessica Baum LMHC. I have a private practice here in Florida, the Relationship Institute of Palm Beach. So if you live in the state of Florida, and I have a group practice called BeSelfful.com. That's a coaching business so I can help people out of state. So those are all different ways to access me and my team. I have a, a team of people who you know, specialize in, in this area and really helping people get more conscious and, and do this type of work. So yeah, if you plug Jessica Bauman in Google, you basically find me. And um, this is a great conversation that I had with you. And I really I do appreciate you having me on again. Um, And it's nice. It's nice to see you.
0: Thanks, Jessica. We will have those links in our show notes and on our website. And yeah, thanks for taking the time to come back on the show. Absolutely.
2: Thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode. As always, all the links to the guest as well as any of their recommendations will be in the show notes page. You can find the link to that in the episode description or by going to idupodcast.com click on the podcast tab up at the top and you will have access to all the episodes that we've ever done. There are over 300 of them. Uh, And while you're on our website, if you haven't checked out our free 14 day happy couple challenge, we really hope you do. It's a free email challenge that we send to you. It's 14 days of fun, easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And if you're looking for something that provides a little more help with working on your relationship, whether it's improving intimacy or communication with your partner, or just bringing the spark back, we would love for you guys to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. We're offering $100 off to all of our listeners. If you go to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock, we've worked with over 15 psychologists and therapists to create the real life tools and strategies that they are teaching their clients. So we wanted to give them to you. It's a self-paced online course that can be done in as little as a month or up to three months. You can really decide how much or how little you want to do with your partner or maybe just yourself. So we hope you guys check that out. It's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Have a great day.